Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to expand your social, intellectual, and economic capital. Investing on and off the farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. How do you know when you're really spiritually aligned? When you are in tune with nature. It's like what you're saying about the cycles and the weather and being able to prepare and knowing how to navigate so that one does have a crop to harvest, to feed everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Farming for Passive Income show. I am your host, Casey Silveria. We are joined today by Joanna Garzilli. She is the host of the Looking Glass podcast an award-winning author and a life coach whose clients have included Monica Lewinsky, Goldie Hawn, and Ernie Banks. She has been featured in many media outlets, including Fox News, Washington Post, and BBC News, just to mention a few. And most recently, she's headed up communications for marketing and a for a trust company, and it has grown from 500 to 1.5 billion in assets. So she lives with her husband, Nick, and her son, Dominic, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Joanna, welcome to the show. Casey, wonderful to be with you. And I'm very excited to talk about everything we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I I was, I've been listening to a lot of your podcast, um, where you've guessed it, and also the one you're currently hosting. And as we were talking before the show, you know, I just love your ability to, you know, talk openly about your thought process, your experience. I, I just love how raw you are with a- explaining your thought process. And I, I feel like, you know, a lot more people should do that. Um, and we try and filter a, a lot um, for other people. But I, I don't get that sense that you, that you do that. Um, so at first, I want to say thank you for being raw with us. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so it's taken a while to get to that point. And I, when I started off in my spiritual journey, I think that there was a lot of naivety that was there within me that I thought having some type of spiritual awakening, being spiritual was all sort of roses, fairies, unicorns. And let me just preface that with at the time when I went through that big transformation and pivoted in my life path in my career. I was working in corporate finance in the city of London. At the time I was working, my boss was doing the sale of the Merry Quartered Estates, which was part of the Ministry of Defense in central London, which was for a few billion dollars. So it was quite a contrast then to go off around the world, travel, meet different shamans, healers from indigenous cultures and do deeper soul searching. And in that journey along the way, as I got into the coaching industry, so I started off more in the metaphysical space where I found a little, there was a little, uh, it's a healing psychic store in Santa Monica. And I ended up, that's where I ended up actually from going to Los Angeles, working with a number of the celebrity clients that I worked with. And uh, yeah, from, from there, I suppose, as things progressed, I got into certain circles in the coaching industry where it was very much more about how much money you'd make, 
how many butts you have in seats. Like it moved away from the reason why I was doing what I was mm. doing, which was really to help people find more of themselves, be in tune with themselves, live their life purpose, live purposefully, feel fulfilled and transform pain into, into joyful experiences. So anyway, I, I mm -hmm. sort of, then I became, I guess, jaded by the whole thing. And I, and then when I had, then I got into mm. cryptocurrency. So I'm, again, I'm jumping forward, like in space and time, all the things in between, but I feel that, that just, these are key points. And then when I got into cryptocurrency, that was great because I found actually, I found it's actually a very spiritual community when I was doing crypto angel network. And that was just sharing my journey on YouTube of investing in crypto. I was doing a lot of day trading, swing trading. I also got certified in a lot of things in blockchain. And I felt like this is very much the future of the way things are going, which I still feel. And, and then all the scams happened and the hacks and I had everything. Yep. All the Doge coins. Yeah, that got crazy. But how I ended up at the trust company was because someone who I knew from my speaking coaching author days, who worked at a, a company in CRM Infusionsoft, they were COO of, this, of, of, of Directed IRA. And so he said, hey, I'm looking for someone that really understands crypto and can come and do this space. And, and I said, well, I might be interested in that. Because at that point, I felt like I couldn't go any further doing what I was doing as a personal brand. I'd been published by HarperCollins. Mm. I've done three books. I've done all these different things. So that was a whole journey. But what I, I guess my point I'm trying to make is why am I so raw and real? Because I didn't realize that I was lying to myself about certain things. There was this one day when I was doing, so I got brought in to do crypto and I was the on-camera host for the Crypto Tax Summit, Self-Directed IRA Summit, Real Estate Tax Summit. It was great, really amazing. One of the people who was working there who isn't there anymore. One day she said to me, Joanna, if you're so successful, why are you working here? And mm. I, my mouth just dropped open. It was, I was a little <laughs> bit shocked. What a thing to say. Yeah. And, and I said, because I want to be part of something bigger. I, I feel that financial literacy is extremely important and being part of a team. And so I, I had a great, I learned so much and got to connect with amazing people and yeah, really learn, learn, learn. I learned a lot about self-directing, about taxes, about investing in alternative assets. I got to meet a lot of people in the commercial real estate space who are amazing. And I feel that the spirituality is very integrated for them rather than this separate thing that I've seen. Yeah. And, but then it got to a point where that journey after almost a couple of years just shifted again. I feel like the hobo, I can't remember what was it? The hobo it was like this TV show with a dog or sort of like Lassie, right? Where Lassie would go from <laughs> Lassie, <laughs> Lassie's called to go to the next place. I'm like Lassie. I go from place to place where I'm called spiritually. Well, it's your journey. And I feel like once, you know, to rewind a little bit, you know, you were in corporate finance and then 
you know, you kind of went a full 180 and went back to the roots of being a human, it sounded like. And that just started a whole new path for you. Yeah, I definitely still sometimes say, for example, I would feel embarrassed or ashamed or worried about what other people will think of me if they know that I teach psychic development, that I wrote a book called Unleash the Psychic in You. But I'm also, so I have this very creative, esoteric, metaphysical side to me, but I'm also very good with dealing with numbers, operations, systems. I feel like I Mm -hmm. bridge both. I'm a Renaissance woman. It reminds me a lot about a book I'm reading right now. It's actually brown on my desk, The Body of Money. I'm not sure if you've ever read that, but it talks a lot about the connection between um, the gut, the heart, and our brain, and our relationship with money, and with all three sections of how we process data and process our emotions and process our intuition and how they're all supposed to talk to each other. And it's very interesting book because I've never thought about money in this in this sort of way. Um, but it reminds me of a lot of like your connection between both worlds. Absolutely. And I haven't read that. It sounds fantastic. And what I will add to that, yes, what I've been doing with from the inception of the Looking Glass podcast was I, there's still a lot of pain in me that I hadn't addressed. And I feel that that was on a personal level in the next phase of my spiritual growth. I also saw it with a lot of people I know around me in the past three, four years in particular, where I've seen certain people, maybe they get to whatever that status is, that symbol of, I have this position in the world. I own this amount of assets. I have this amount of net worth. I'm creating this legacy, but frantic or struggling in some capacity or reaching those milestones and feeling unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And then I can tell you from my own experience, I used to think, oh, when I make X amount of money a year, when I make multiple six figures, when I am published by HarperCollins, when I this, 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 but then it's, it's that thing of it's never enough. So really working on what you're talking about, that mind body connection, it's the pain body. Sometimes that we have, things that are buried within and i feel this is where it goes back to the cycles of nature and and i think farmers would understand this extremely well because Mm -hmm. they're not in control of the weather they're not in control of many things they understand that nature has to be respected revered honored And at the same time, to to be able to find one's place, one's harmony in working with nature, in getting in in sync. For example, I guess like people who do biodynamic farming, right? And they're working within the the sort of the cycles of the moon, whatever that that calling is. And, And then I see the other end of things where people who are in finance or doing algorithmic trading, moving so out of sync, getting so into the into it's like just too much it becomes like static and yeah and static so numbers 
yeah, we need to get back to a place of more harmony. It's not this, this is the way and this isn't the way. I feel it's about both working together. So I like the idea of where am I at now? I want to be able to bridge the gap, not just discard everything that is business in the world because business is a creative process as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, every business has its own path to success or failure. They're similar, but each one is very different. So, yeah, so I think that, um, yeah, in terms of being more honest, more real, how sort of I, well, let me tell you, I guess I'm pausing, I'm going all over the place here, is that when I was at the trust company, and then I moved into this position of heading up marketing, heading up communications, and I was doing the bookings for all these different podcasts, and and it's great. Like my bosses who I had who run the company, they knew exactly, they knew they were very clear in their calling on what they want to talk about. They want to talk about 401ks, mm-hmm. investing with a 401, you know, did you know you can roll over your 401k? Did you know you could do that with alternative assets? And, and that one of those particular bosses of mine could do that all day long, absolutely joyfully. For me, I never planned to go into the retirement industry. I went in via cryptocurrency and then that just ended up on this different stage of things. But then what happened was, is that it really made me realize I put my, I put my stuff aside. I'm not doing what I feel called to do. So that was the blessing of what came out of it. And I think going back to any, where you were saying any failure or pain that we experience whether it's just a risk one's taken to get a project off the ground and then not have it work in the time frame or someone not believing in you and saying you're crazy to go and launch that to invest into that who do you think you are to be able to come back to one's inner compass and attune to that guidance within oneself to go ahead and go the distance. Hmm. I love that. I mean, even with farmers, I mean, everyone's thinking about, you know, starting a new arm of their company or starting a new crop or getting into a different asset class in commercial real estate. Um, how do you propose people think about new ventures and making decisions on if they should or should not do something like how, how can we like think about not only the business side, but in- integrate what you've been talking about? The first thing I would say is it's very important not to rush into a decision to, so for example, you could be going out on a walk, let's say out on a walk, there's an inspiration that comes in of, I want to go and do this particular project. And I'll give you an example in a moment of, of someone that I saw their journey farming and, and where they had transitioned from a different career. So you have the inspiration for something, but then it's, can you go the distance? So I think the first thing is, is to sit with the discomfort Mm. and go, do I really want to pursue this? Because when you're going and doing this as your own business, and really I see 
I would imagine a lot of farmers really are entrepreneurial and it's an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, maybe they get bought up, bought up, bought out by a larger brand at some point. They become a you know, they set out and become mm-hmm. part of that division because they don't want to keep running it and or they want to scale and take that brand into a bigger scale. Like for example, I've noticed that where I live in Arizona with Hickman eggs and happy eggs as well. And I've just noticed they've become bigger. I've noticed they've been distributed into more supermarkets. So I don't know what their story is behind them. But it's interesting to watch that journey of something that I think a lot of the time, I'll say for myself, I gravitate towards, say, an organic made coffee, something that I just bought a coffee the other day. It's called Henry's. And it's, I'd never heard of them originally, Seattle based company started in the 70s of course obviously i knew howard schultz's story from starbucks Mm -hmm. but just looking up well they were in safeway which is really cool so i i just like that where you can have something of a personal brand that i think a lot of the time would say with i would imagine with farming the importance of personal brand if we're talking from marketing communication standpoint how do you go up against these huge say uh in safeway you've got their signature brand or just just something else that is really big. How do you compete against uh, Quaker Oats when you had what's it Bob's? What was it Bob's? Um, was it Uncle Bob or something? He does all like the organic oats. But you know what I mean. My point mm-hmm. is, yeah. oh, well, how can you go up a, against that? But let me go back a step. So many years ago, when I lived in England, at the time I was in a relationship with someone who's whose father worked in television. He was an award-winning TV director for the BBC. And and then he got to the point where he wanted to leave London, leave that life, and he had a dream of uh, having his own farm. And, And so he opened, he started a cider farm up in Herefordshire. And, and uh, yeah, his name's, Ivor Dunkerton. And and today you could go into a Waitrose or Sainsbury's or uh, Tesco's. These are all British British supermarkets. And okay. you can still go and find that award-winning cider. What I saw from behind the scenes in that journey, because you know, I knew that family for a number of years, and many, many years, spent a lot of time up there at the farm. And and so that journey of, I remember they started to plant apple trees, build out the orchard, and then deciding different types of cider to do. There were all these different specialities because really he wanted to do that sort of that, at the time, that market for sort of the equivalent of Napa Valley type where wines or certain alcohol was now it's just so normal but back then it was really he was Mm -hmm. really pioneering in the space Mm -hmm. so it was a new novel idea and the quality of what he created was exceptional the branding was fantastic but the big problem was the distribution and then scaling and then meeting the needs of say where a certain supermarket would say okay we'll we'll take x amount of your cider but we're you know, we're not going to pay you for that. You're waiting then 90 days or six months to be paid. 
and and then if they don't Yeesh. go and sell it all it might be like well we're not gonna we're gonna scrap this and so it's really hard so i saw a number of years yeah. where they were winning awards people loved the cider but it wasn't profitable and his wife susie then opened because they had a beautiful uh, barn there that they converted into a restaurant where she wanted to cook there was a period of time i remember the first couple of years hardly anyone would go to the restaurant the food was wonderful there were also like all different produce mm. and things that was there on the farm from the eggs to different fruits and things that were grown that were used locally for the ingredients for the dishes but it took time to take off and then it actually took uh, one of Ivor's sons who went on to become very 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 successful in fashion became like launched a billion dollar plus company i saw him go and and turn his brand into into the billions is that he started to, to really focus it in a business way and say we need to look at the profit and loss here we need to look at the operations you know you want to do this now we need to go and get these big vats these huge things and they invested in one vat at a time and said dad you can't go and do all this work you need to go and hire other people now locally to help to be able to scale so i think that yeah. thing of once starts off with a vision or a dream oh i just want to go and do you know local do local bread or I want to go and get my tomatoes out there or be the avocado supplier, whatever it is, but it's hard. So I just thought that was a long journey. It took cash investment injection and strong business savvy. And it just so happened that he had a son that was really good at that, who did it in fashion, but was able to help him do it then with the cider business. And I saw a lot of time they'd argue <laughs> because yeah. Ivor would say, oh, I don't want to do it like this, this. And and his son, Julian, would say, no, you. this is what you need to do. And mm -hmm. so I don't think was one right and the other wrong. They were both right. And it was like, how could you take that man who was very creative, instinctual, working for the BBC, and then channeling that film, TV-making energy into creating cider, but then, and then Julian with the sort of the fashion cool factor funneling into business and operations there. So finding mm -hmm. that right mix, but I would imagine with farming from what I saw, and that's just one example of what I saw, because I did a movie doc documentary on a farm, which was a whole different experience in, in the that's US. Cool. Yes, that was really cool. And I saw a different journey with that. But it's not easy at, at, at all. And yet I see mm. that also, I guess, farming is really being marginalized now in a lot of ways. And I see some awful yeah. things happening that. Yeah, highly marginalized. And I, I think very few operations like just forget or, or just don't understand the power of their brand, like a powerful cider brand. Like you can leverage it just like um, the son did with, with his fashion brand it's really powerful. It's not transactional. It's more of a foundational set of skills that a company needs. And it's difficult to manage a brand and build a brand consistency. Um, it's not transactional. And it takes a lot of many years to to build it. Yeah, definitely. So then 
to go the distance coming back to what you said the question of someone has that feeling of i want to get into farming or i want to go and leave my life in the city and and now go and be in tune with nature and and make this contribution in society because no matter how much whatever the value is of cryptocurrency i know my husband just told me before justin bieber had bought an NFT for I think for one point close to one point five million. There's now around fifty six thousand, and you know th- there's that side <laughs> of things of where or and then everyone says gold, gold. Okay, you got to diversify. Well, what am I going to use as a hedge? Well, gold's always going to have a value. Well, if you're telling me if the world fell apart, I, you know at the end of the day, I want food. I want food and water because if yep. I go and ingest gold i'm gonna be dead okay maybe i could have colloidal silver or something for some type of well-being but (laughs) i will take an apple i will live off apples over taking gold Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and i think i'm sure i've heard a lot of like commodity super cycles um in in the coming years but i do think agriculture has um maybe having tailwinds in the coming future. I mean, when we just look at the climate change, you know, lots of volatile temperatures, I think supply of food around the world with, especially with how supply chains are structured right now, will just lead to decreased supply in many, many agricultural markets. Yeah. And I see it's something that's not being taken seriously at all. And uh, what I've noticed, I don't like to get political with things. And I have friends both sides of the aisle. And I know that I've seen what's happening in Holland with the farmers, you know, in the Netherlands. I definitely, I I see that with maybe taking away, I, I actually, when I worked at the trust company, there was a gentleman I spoke with who there had a generational farm passed down from generation to generation on the East Coast. And then they were being all the farmers around them had sold off the land to be able to do real estate development and they're being pushed to sell and they don't want to sell. It's very, very, it's very hard. I think that's one side of things that's happening of, okay, well, we need more and more, we need more and more real estate developments. Yeah. But then we've got to feed the people there what happens yep. to suddenly those farming resources that are gone and there is maybe money going to certain other things, but really if there's any help that's needed anywhere, because I think doing farming is such a tough thing. I think it's also from what I saw from spending time helping on the side of farm and also that when I did this movie documentary and helping on the farm, on the, the day today as well because i think i think that there is more support needed there with that because you just got to be so resilient and what i was going to say with that as well what i've noticed from people who do have farms or they sort of come together that it really creates community and i think that is i always say social media and the internet is a gift and a curse like we get to connect mm. right now like this through technology but community is going away more and more and more is what I'm noticing yep. from what I'm seeing. And, and so really, if we go back through whatever even 
to the Bible or the different examples of things. Again, I'm like very much a spiritual person. I'm just giving context. I was born Jewish. Mm-hmm. I went to Church of England Christian schools. So I always had to go to church each week. But I, I resonate with pretty much, you know, majority of of religions and this idea of coming coming back to the sort of the core of the self. And um, but what I was mm-hmm. gonna say with that um with that movie documentary that I did, it was a it was a spiritual community who was doing Kriya Yoga. It, this uh, this this man's name Norman Paulson. He was the last living disciple of Yogananda, and it was quite experienced because I got to stay in like this little cabin in Buellton, California. And I remember waking up in the morning, the whole cabin shaking. There was a bull just running <laughs> the cabin, and. I remember going and getting to go and pick like part of how I got paid was I could have as much food as I wanted going and just there were lettuces and cherry tomatoes everywhere and, and lemons. And it was amazing, like just to have access to the abundance of food. I remember freaking out one day because there was a snake right there as I was picking up stuff. And, and I got to the really cool thing I felt that being in that environment did for me was to see I consider myself a spiritual person, but I get all jumpy and jittery and skittish because mm. I could feel always how I was out of tune with nature. And I think ultimately, how do you know when you're really spiritually aligned? When you are in tune with nature, it's like what you're saying about the cycles and the weather and being able to prepare and knowing how to navigate so that one does have mm. a crop to harvest, to feed everyone. Yeah, I'm just now trying to get on that journey more and listen to my intuition and my own journey. And everyone goes through cycles like highs and lows at at a very micro scale and at a macro scale. And I think I'm just trying right now to listen to my own and then with the business and then hear everything going on in the farming industry and the commercial real estate industry and trying to piece it all together um, for my community. I mean, it's hard enough um, individually, um, but at a larger scale. But I, I also think we also make things a little bit too complicated instead of, for me, I overthink most everything instead of just listening to my intuition, which has, for humans, been in place for many thousands of years. It was the first thing that we had. You know, this was our survival skills. And that that is the leading indicator, but we have been grown up in a society where we're overeducated. And now we think that the numbers should run everything, but I think there's a balance between all of it. I agree. And as you're saying that I'm thinking about, I love fashion, but at the end of the day, you know, the idea that someone could pay $50,000 for a Hermes Birkin bag. I mean, if that Hermes bag was made out of crocodile skin, it could be 150 to $250,000. And yet, the value, like what is truly valuable? We have definitely, and I'm not saying there isn't a place for that. That's more of an extreme example. Mm -hmm. But yes, I think our, our core values if we do not really strip away 
and get more to the core of who we are, whether we like it or not, we're going to have to face quite a reckoning because of the way that we are living is absolutely unsustainable. And I know I'm guilty. I think, gosh, I'm in Arizona, it's 108 degrees outside, but I can get in my Tesla, I can sit in the air conditioning, I can use this navigation, I can, you know, all of these things. And, and so it's, it's, it's difficult. I'm doing a lot more soul searching right now to look at how can one be in alignment? I feel that spiritually we're in this phase of more quickening and and what i mean by that is spiritual growth spiritual transformation but we need to keep it grounded in this in the world in this physical dimension because that's where we are and mm-hmm. so that that's what i definitely am focusing on right now how can i and how can that spirituality how can having the right mindset be incorporated into the day-to-day of earning a living of running a business of having enough time to truly connect with a family member with family members to create community these things are vitally important i just i noticed the space everything changing very very quickly i've actually found it quite unsettling at points Mm. of of how everything looks so i i like to be informed geopolitically macroeconomically but i also my intuition is saying really go inwards connect inwards to you know the idea of oh i can get any of this information on the internet there is our own connection to spirit source energy that you could that is valuable information to have the right guidance to to know, yes, I'm going to go and start this new project in farming. Yes, I'm going to expand. Maybe now is the time to sell. Maybe now is the time to buy. Maybe now is the time to add other members to the team or to buy new equipment. Let me tune in and see. Okay, can I? Am I being realistic? Can I get this whole operation running effectively and profitable? in five years because a year isn't realistic you know asking some of those things and i'm not saying go all woo woo and out there with it but i do feel that there is a way to to do that and use spiritual inquiry for practical business decisions Hmm. i mean think I don't know, my brain kind of goes back to what did we do before spreadsheets, before technology? It was all local community relationships, handshake agreements, because you trusted people for various reasons. Like they, you helped each other when in times of need. And that was like just your intuition. Like you didn't have numbers running running your farm, right? It it was based on your gut. And I think and your intuition. And yeah, like you said, like, you don't have to get all woo woo. But I think it's it all comes back to just the basis of understanding business where we sit and how we want to play the game going forward in in local partnerships. So to simplify exactly what you said, looking at today, we can't change the past. 
we don't have control over certain things that are happening geopolitically, not just nationally, but internationally. I think we're going into an even more turbulent time, whether we like it or not. That's just my strong instinct. And rather than be fearful or feel angry or resentful or that there is injustice, because I personally do feel that there's all of those things, but I try and then see Mm. other point of view as that then whoever those people are that are making those decisions, for some of them, it's going to be greed. Some, it's going to be power. For some, it's that they actually really think that that's the right thing to do. But whatever, whether I agree or don't agree with what those actions are, I would come back to, okay, I'm going to sit quietly. And normally for me, I do that each morning. I want to make sure, am I in alignment? Let me just keep be open so that I say, well, I want to be of service. I want to be prosperous. I want to live a meaningful and fulfilled life. I want to ensure that I don't have blind spots where greed is getting in the way or vanity or my ego in some capacity. So that might be like an intention I set. And then also for community, I come to my core values. Then from there, I sit quietly and I just see what comes. Then from there, once I have an idea, so for example, last night, there was a, like the iPhone or recommend old things. I found a drawing Mm -hmm. that I done, it was a drawing, but it was a mind map that I did in September, 2020. And I went, wow, this is exactly like what I'm doing now with the podcast or with certain things with work. This is the stuff that when I've worked with certain clients, they're talking about going through these struggles. I hadn't seen that was three years later. So a lot of the time you might sit and your intuition will tell you something, but you don't just go roll it out all in one go. I feel like you have to prepare yourself. It's almost like putting a sort of a spiritual armor on, suiting up so that you can be successful in the world that we're in. As I see, again, I'm not trying to be political here, but Mm -hmm. I just see more and more of a class system of a disparity in opportunity for some people and not for others. It's always been there. It's like what you said in history. It's cyclical. But I see that very much. And knowing that, if I just go and read up on some history from whether it's the Babylonians, rise and fall of different empires, that I go, okay, yep, here we we're doing it again. We're yep. we're not learning and we are learning. And then from that standpoint, sitting quietly, looking at a a larger sort of macro level then coming back so rather than the numbers at the macro level and the companies and what's going on out there in the stock market coming back in that spiritual level bringing it back in and then going what's one action i'm going to take today i think the hardest part for someone running a business small business owner in farming whatever that industry is is that you're not going to have the evidence right way that right away that your intuition was correct. I've gone through this multiple times where I had a strong intuition, followed it, I went, 
as they say, I think in Australia, they say went gangbusters on it. <laughs> and then I didn't see results right away. I go, oh, well, my intuition was wrong. That didn't work. I then go try a different way. But then six months later, a year later, two years later, it worked. I go, gosh, if I had just stuck with that. So I think yeah. that's why it's really important yeah. to, first of all, before you make a decision, sit with it, sit with it, sit with it until it almost like that energy is bursting from you where you go, if I don't go and get this new brand off the ground, if I don't go and stop that orchard or do that vineyard or go into farming potatoes, if I don't do that, then yeah, I'm just like, my life really is just gonna feel really small and insignificant. I think that's how you know when you have to take action. Mm-hmm. When it just starts to eat you from the inside. Oh yeah, that's yeah. what happened but, to uh, me with yeah. in my in my job. Which one? Like the one in the the one at the trust company because mm. I just I just knew again it it's it's just like I I had outgrown it. I grew so much and then I outgrew it and and it became really intense because my father loved that i was in a job like that in 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 corporate leadership with yep. the corner office having doing that whole side of things he was so happy and and i feel now he's really yeah he's really disappointed in like that i'm not doing that path he'd say he's proud of me too but but a lot of why did i stick with that path longer is because i just wanted the approval instead of just being me and following my heart my intuition yeah i like that you brought that up because i was listening to one of your episodes and you talked about how that your exact situation was essentially the same thing as a domesticated dog Whereas in the dog call of the wild, um, it was very different situation, right? Yes, exactly. I love that book. It, uh, yeah, the call for the wild by Jack London. And actually someone reached out to me on Twitter and they said, Oh, have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie. I hear that. I think the book probably would be better, but it's really interesting when I read about Jack London's journey he went through a huge period of uncertainty and and travel and and going from i think it was from san francisco and he then he there was the gold rush in in the 1800s and so he went Mm -hmm. all the way north in search of that golden experience didn't come back with anything almost died out there saw people die but then what came out of that was frantically writing what is one of the I think is one of the most prolific books in in literature ever I just the writing to me as a writer myself is absolutely outstanding and yet when he wrote that I think he was like in a small little room he didn't really have anything mm-hmm. and so that is where it comes back to having to believe or have that richness in oneself and I don't know if you find this with for me i had a real calling to do looking glass podcast and and i have a really strong intuition that it's something that's going to go out there in quite a big way and i say that hump like humbly 
but I just, I, I think one of the other things that sparked me doing it was Stephen Bartlett, who does Diary of a CEO. And I, I love mm. his podcast. And he was interviewing Alexandra Cooper, who I'd never heard of, who has the show called Her Daddy. And she'd hit yeah. at the time, I think, like number one on the charts. And and I just had this really, it happened to me over a period of time. This is where intuition comes in. And I would just keep sort of like hearing that in a higher voice say, you've got to do this. You're going to have a really big show. You're going to go out there in a very, very big way. And then it's, where am I now? You know, this, I'm only like my 20th, like my 20th mm -hmm. episode or something yeah. went out there. And, and so that's a weird feeling. It feels very uncomfortable. It doesn't matter whether it's a podcast, again, whether one's trying to get a business off the ground, because I don't have the evidence yet. I people say the show moved me to tears or they talk to me in a really deep way, in a way people I know who I think because I've gone so deep and been raw and real, they're being absolutely transparent with me because I, I really like to have deep conversation. I don't do, I don't like superficial, just don't really want to do that. The small talk. So, yeah, same. So I'll just tell you where I'm at. Yeah, I definitely struggle with my ego goes, hmm, I don't get it because like, I'm not there yet. And then my intuition or spirit will say to me, Joanna, enjoy the journey. It's, it's not just about the numbers. It's about touching one person at a time. And if we bring that back to farming, if someone has the idea of, I'm going to harvest potatoes, I'm going to have like where it's the best they can get their best potatoes and frozen french fries but it just tastes home cooked and i'm gonna have that brand go across you know across the us and it's going to be incredible and touch all these lives but you're just starting off with like this small little area getting things going and then the crops freeze over and going well how like, how am i gonna do this so i think it's like that to me it's a reminder of enjoying the journey and then for me i'll just say for me personally i have to really watch for that unevolved ego the part of me that just it goes from sort of confidence to i have to really always bring myself back to the inspiration rather than the ego yeah i i've been also being i've been trying to get more aware of myself dipping into that ego state, fear, greed, immediate self-satisfaction, self-indulgence. Um, but the recognition is a very important piece. So, so you can lift yourself out of it because if you don't, then you're going to get stuck in it. Exactly. Yes, that is, I, I agree. That is the way through it is calling oneself out on stuff. I, there was an earlier episode I did on Looking Glass where I talked about the part of me, and it, it's not now, it was very much in the past, there's the social climate, very much so. And I would accuse other people or judge people for being social climbers, but I feel like I I was. And, and if I want to say, have that next level, let's say of success, then I have to connect with other influencers. Well, then am I wanting to connect with them? Could it be that I'm a social climber still? But I think that there can be a positive thing in, so we talk about social climbing or the corporate ladder, climbing that ladder. I think if there is a, a really a 
positive intention that is going to do good for others, then there is nothing wrong with social climbing or moving up that corporate ladder. But if it's for the wrong reasons, then one's mm-hmm. going to fall and break one's neck or break one's leg or yeah. whatever it is. And so or I think break that, your mind. Yes. Break your own spirit. Yes. And that has to happen. A lot of the time that's where the shadow work comes in. If, if we break our mind, then we can really see the denial. We can see the illusions where we are projecting onto someone else what they're doing, what they're not doing, that it actually comes back to looking at oneself straight on in the mirror and saying, I'm going to put myself under the magnifying glass here. I'm really going to look fully. I'm going to search deeply. And then from there, one's going to find that that inner gold, that inner light, that golden apple, that golden goose yeah. to, to be able to live in a right way. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you have to go inward, self-assess, listen to what's going on to really be able to move forward in life in a way that suits not only what you're good at, but where your journey is supposed to go. And then adding to that, once you've gone inward enough, then you go outward again. It's sort of, again, just what pops into my mind is Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights, going out into the desert. He had to go away from things to find himself. And then he came back in and he went into his mission. I recently mm-hmm. heard Matthew, Matthew McConaughey, the actor, talking about when he'd wanted to succeed in Hollywood. That was his vision, right? He talked about this on The Art of Living. His, his yeah. stuff, he, he blew up and was really successful, but then he went off to a monastery. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, each person has to find their own thing or their own way. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to mm-hmm. do it, but knowing there's a time to go inward and then there's a time to go back out there again. And then there's a time when we're out there and we have to go back inward. I know that that's definitely what happened for me with my personal brand. I was very much out there. I was speaking, doing stuff on TV, very much more in the public. And then I went step backwards and then very much inwards. And Casey, actually, in a way, I felt like, oh, I failed in some way. Or there's something wrong with me because I saw other people around me who are my peers who, you know, if I like compare or look at the numbers... Some of them have millions of subscribers on YouTube. And I go, oh, if I've stuck with that, or if I just that, well, that just wasn't my journey. That wasn't my path because of whatever pain I had going on inside of me and my journey. So it's it's not just about bigger and more. Yes. I like the idea of just bringing it back to, okay, who am I meant to help? Who am I meant to connect with? And it starts with oneself. If you can't help yourself and be strong, how are you going to carry someone else? Yeah. How are you going to guide someone else? How can you love someone else if you are just totally depleted of energy? Yeah, there's no way. 
there's no way. Joanna, this has been really great conversation. I there's so many things we touched on. Um, and I, there's so many chapters in what we talked about that I would love to do even more episodes on, like cryptocurrency and your background. Um and all that you've done so many things and it, it's truly a remarkable journey. And I feel like you're just now getting started as well with your podcast and the other things you have going on. Um, but is there one thing that you'd like to leave us with today? The one thing I would say is be true to your heart and and with that, what I'll just, the reason I say that is that it starts with you and this idea of your lineage, generations back and generations forward. And connecting to your heart in a way that you haven't before that allows you to create an amazing legacy a truly fulfilling legacy. I love that. It really syncs up with what we've been talking about going inward, understanding you before you can serve anyone else in the world. Yeah, that's great. Joanna, thank you so much. It's been truly a pleasure having you on the show. Where can listeners get a hold of you more to learn more about you? Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been wonderful. I, I've so enjoyed mm -hmm. the, our time together and I look forward to us continuing the conversation as well, doing more. The best way to connect with me is on social media, on across social media, my, plat, my uh, handles are at Joanna Garzilli and also there's my website looking-glass.me. Perfect. And we will also include those in the show notes as well. So Joanna, thanks so much again. Thank you. All right. And to all the listeners, you know what to do. We hope you had a great time today in today's episode, and we look forward to publishing another one next week. All right. Talk to everyone soon. See ya. Bye.